Welcome to this episode of Drew and Co. Unplugged. Got another episode here with Zach talking about football. Looking forward to all the good things to come out. A lot of big games happened this past week. And when I say big games, almost big upsets. We talk Colorado. We talk Ohio State. We talk the college football scene. And then we dip in, in a little bit of the NFL fantasy football. I think we might gear towards more of college football. Just seems to be our niche, so to speak. So have a listen and enjoy. Hello, Zach. Welcome back. What's going on, man? Oh, you know, cooking. Although I like to think that I got 85% of the loud stuff out of the way. I tried my best to. I will have to... uh, dump some pasta which will come across loud and maybe a little moving back and forth but overall i like to think that i will be good and not overly excessively loud like i was in the last time like i actually filled up the pot with water this time so you're gonna hear it in the background (laughs) there you go hey you gotta feed your family right i know i actually started doing a little intro for another episode that i'm gonna do this week and I was talking about how you and I were, were on the opposite coast. So you're just yeah. getting everything calmed down for the night to where you can settle in and do this recording. And I'm the polar opposite. It's like super busy. I'm trying to cook, get dinner ready, you know, everything going for yeah. the next day. And it's just, you know, how that goes, though. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, you and I have been dealing with this, uh, you know, obviously for a long time, you know, when we're gaming and stuff like that or when, you know, we want to FaceTime each other. So nothing new to us. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it is just another challenge of <laughs> trying to do something like this for sure. <clears throat> oh, um, 100, 100%. Uh, before we jump right into it, I have yep. to ask you, have you seen on Amazon Prime the Kelsey um, – documentary no so i actually listen we just saw that this weekend um we i think friday night we were gonna check it out and uh we ended up watching something else instead and then we thought we were gonna have time to watch it at the end and we just got tired and went to bed but um yeah we're gonna be checking that out hopefully sometime this week did you watch it so let me tell you i'm not gonna give any spoilers it is the most wholesome content for an hour and i think it's like an hour and 17 minutes um because you know all we ever hear about when it comes to that family for the most part is travis right he's the loud outspoken but jason and his whole dynamic just super humble his house that he lives in is actually super modest compared to you know the traditional lifestyle that these pro athletes live it is a hundred percent oh a hundred percent worth the watch uh you will not regret it and honestly it's a little bit i wouldn't say like emotional but it does have that like occasionally you're like oh man this hits you in the feels a little bit type of uh thing so definitely check that out sooner than later, but I would definitely make sure that it's one of those where you have the undivided hour and 20 minutes or so to be able to sit down and just watch it straight through. 
Whereas I watched like half of it and then half again. The other half, uh, I actually just finished before I got on here. I texted you. Okay. Yeah, we'll definitely check it out. Um, I, I I saw a lot of good things about it, like on Twitter and stuff, people talking about it. So they all kind of said the same thing as you, like really, like you said, wholesome and just showed what kind of person he is. So yeah, I'm, I'm, we'll, we'll definitely check it out. 100% dude. And then jumping right into this week's episode uh, covering Ohio State college football spectrum, which I know you're excited to get into. And then uh, touching base on the NFL and maybe a little fantasy update smidget. I know we're trying to keep yeah. it somewhat concise here. So yeah, yeah sure. I'm actually going to jump out the gates on this one. Ohio Can State I, this uh, week. Uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I, I got <laughs> to cut you off. Hold on. Before we get into the to the the big stuff, I, I don't know if you saw this on on Facebook or anything, but I got to give a shout out to a hometown boy. Did you see uh, Coulter Cleland? Do you know him? Oh, uh, did you see he made ESPN top plays? Uh, was he number one or number two? Yeah, so yeah, um, a, a kid from our hometown, uh, from Meigs County, his name's Coulter Cleland. Um, was number two on ESPN uh, top plays. He um, went to high school just out the road from us at uh, Meg's High School. Um, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a friend of his family's. Uh, his, his grandpa and I actually um, were cornhole partners for years. That's probably a story for another day about my Hold on a second. Thunder, come here. But... Son of a <laughs> – hold on a second. My damn dog just ran outside. I thought my other dog was laying there for you. He's going to make me chase him. This is embarrassing. Come here. You want me to keep, you want me to keep talking? Or are we going to edit this out? Or <laughs> Come here. Okay. Thank you. Go ahead. I got it. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Sorry to all the listeners. God forbid I just have non-issues in the background. <laughs> oh, what an amateur. <laughs> Continue, though. You're family friends with him. Yeah. So, anyways, I, I know I know Colter's grandpa really well. Uh, his grandpa Steve and I used to play in a lot of cornhole tournaments together, which, like I said, is you know a story for another day for me. Um, but, anyways, yeah, Colter plays uh, at, at Davidson College, so the same college that Steph Curry went to. Uh, you know, the FCS uh, football program, and um, he made number two on ESPN top plays. He uh, it was a really heads up play where um, he was getting rushed and he broke a couple tackles and rolled out to the right, and as he was getting tackled by a guy, he was almost to the ground and made a heads-up play and uh, pitched it to his running back, and his running back ran it for a touchdown for, like, 20, 30 yards. And, and um, on top of that, he also threw for over 300 yards and five touchdowns. So, uh, pretty cool moment. I know his family's got to be super stoked and super proud, and I saw a lot of people, um, you know, were talking about it, you know, on, on the socials and whatnot. So, had to get that in before we got into the – no absolutely so actually i did see on social media of course i saw that that play um i wasn't sure to be honest because i don't know him i don't know the family or anything because i've been you know gone for from hometown for so long Uh, i don't really know anybody anymore it feels like i wasn't sure if he was the quarterback or the running back but when you put it in perspective that he was the quarterback that was an insane play I mean, he broke probably, what, three or four tackles. And then for him to do that lateral to his running back, he got lit up on that pitch, yeah. too. Like, it wasn't something yeah. that he just, you know, threw a little pitch and that was it. He got lit up. He was committed to it. 
So that's awesome that you shouted that out because I forgot all about that play. And I didn't yeah. realize that he was from our hometown either. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's it's, uh, it's pretty cool. And uh, he was actually in a quarterback competition with, I think, a, a couple older guys. So, um, yeah, to see to see that performance on Saturday, I'm going to guess he uh, might have just taken the starting job. So, yeah, once again, very cool, very cool. Oh, yeah, dude, that's awesome. That's That makes me happy. I'm always – that's one thing. Anytime I can promote something or, you know, support, that's like – not to get too far off topic, one of the things I threw some threw some support at was that uh, big farmers market thing that's going on back home with Brandon Barty and yep. uh, the Meigs County Farmers Market. Obviously, all I could really do was cast a vote, get most of the vote, but um, it was it's just cool to see, and it's crazy to think that they got you know fifteen, almost sixteen thousand votes. And considering the size of, you know, our hometown and our community, I saw they got Jay Edwards to uh, talk about it as well. Most people don't know him. He's state rep for Ohio. Um, So that's just that's a lot of cool things happening back home that, you know, not everybody knows about. But it's definitely cool being all the way out here thousands of miles away and seeing all that stuff happening. Yeah, so we, we ended up, our farmer's market, um, actually, they ended up finishing, they got voted second best farmer's, farmer's market in the nation. Um, uh, I think that voting, voting just finished up today, so they ended up getting second. They only lost by, um, I think they said, like, 300 votes to um, some farmer's market in New York. Um, so, yeah, very impressive, very cool. Yeah, Absolutely. And with that being said, let's jump into the juiciness. I literally, I wanted to call you on Saturday night and be like, hey, man, let's, uh, let's record. And then we can do a two-parter or something. And then, of course, me and probably you and everybody else stayed up super late watching Colorado play. But before oh, we get man. to that, the most important thing, let's talk about the Buckeyes. I'm going to give you my quick synopsis of what I got out of that performance. So quick snap judgment. Buckeyes looked fantastic. I'm talking all sides of the ball, a little bit slow in the beginning. Um, Anybody that knows Western Kentucky knows that they will throw the ball 40, 50 times a game and they will take chances. They don't care who your cornerback or your DB is out there, if they're single coverage, they're throwing the ball there. Uh, Definitely put a lot of pressure on our defensive backs. Um, Proctor had a couple struggle plays, but overall played really great. Burke, I just – I cannot get off my high horse on Denzel Burke. He is just – he's looking like he did a couple seasons ago. He's fantastic. Last year, he was super shaky a lot of times. And, I mean, I didn't know if he was going to be able to make the cut this year, how bad that he played at times last year. He was fantastic. The defense was just – they gave up that initial score, and then after that, it was shut down. And they were lights out the rest of the trip. Kyle McCord, he looked fantastic. I think that initial – I don't even want to say slow start because – like we talked about last week, the dynamics of the college football games and the beginning of the games have changed so much with the way this 
new running clock goes and how much fewer snaps you get and possessions. And that 71-yard touchdown pass to Marvin Harrison just blew the floodgates open. And next thing we know, I mean, it's we poured on 35 points in the second quarter. And I know all of Ohio State fans are like, man, this is – this is the team that we're all looking for. You know what I mean? This is the expectation that comes with being a Buckeye and a Buckeye fan is those 35-point second quarters where that's what they're expecting all the time, as unrealistic as that is. Um, but Kyle Cord was making fantastic throws, excellent reads, and sorry about the sizzle. Um, and then the running backs, Trevion Henderson, I know we were talking about him uh, week one, and I said, man, I don't know if he's the guy. Uh, Chip Tranum has really came in, and it seems like from week one to week two, he got significantly better in his performance. From week two to week three, he's looking like he did a couple of seasons ago, which anybody that has seen him or heard of him playing a couple of seasons ago, that is what Ohio State – once out of him. Uh, Chip Tranum played fantastic as well. And, I mean, overall, just a beautiful performance to watch with our team playing like that. And I know I said that was going to be quick, but it's hard. <laughs> no. no, you're good. You're good. Um, is, you, you want me to jump in now? or? Yeah, go right ahead, man. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, um, I, I have in my notes here, I, I have – I. It's funny as we as I watch the football games now. This is something I've I've started doing just since we started recording. As I think of things that I want to talk about, I immediately go to my phone and go to my notes and start putting stuff down. And That's I have awesome. these open while I'm recording. So, um, yeah, you definitely touched on a few of the things <laughs> that I was gonna say. Um, obviously, we see the Buckeyes just continuing to get better um, every single week. We're starting to see the playbook open up on both sides of the ball, not just offense, but defense. You're seeing a little bit um, different blitzes. You're seeing some ends drop and stuff like that um, in the defense. We're seeing more more players starting to get involved on offense. Um, I think, you know, that those first week or two, right, you're trying to uh, keep the playbook a little bit vanilla, um, not trying to put, you know, too much on film, simple. But this week they really opened it up and, and started uh, – started diving into the playbook a little bit. Um, like you talked about, you know, Western Kentucky, you know, we talked about it on the last podcast. I said, don't be surprised if they hang around for just a little bit. And they certainly did. You know, they hung in there for about a quarter and a half. Um, and, you know, like you said, they throw the ball a lot and they throw it very efficiently. They throw it at a high level. And um, so the defense had to weather the storm a little bit um, to start off. But then, you know, obviously they were just outmatched in the end. We were able to take over. So the defense did a good job hanging in there. Um, uh, the defense, I will say, you know, it's just kind of that the, the improvement you're seeing from this year to last year is that not giving up the big play, right? They're doing a really good job of keeping everything in front of them. Um, so, yeah, that's, you know, when you play that zone, you, you back off and play a little bit of a little bit less man. Um, to a team like this, you're going to give up some chunk plays. You're going to give up a 10-yarder here, a 20-yarder here. Uh, but they've done a really good job of not letting anything get behind them. You know, we saw last year in the past couple of years, they were just giving after, giving up big play after big play after big play. And, and to really bad teams, frankly. 
Um, so to see them just do a good job of like playing good assignment football, everybody doing their job, um, you know, keeping everything in front, that's the kind of defense that we need to see um, the rest of the year, especially going into, into Notre Dame. So anything you want to touch on there? Yeah, so I think pushing forward, uh, definitely agree with what you're talking about with the defense and opening up the playbook and how everything's starting to get more developed and, you know, more refined and complex. And I definitely agree with you on the fact that we were trying to keep the playbook as closed as possible because at the end of the day, this game that we've got coming up this week is huge. Going to Notre Dame, it's never an easy place to play. I heard the weather this uh, upcoming weekend for the time of year, it's supposed to be chilly. And you know how it is. It's just that different kind of cold up dealing with them. And it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. I think thus far, my biggest concern because we haven't faced it yet is a really good running back. And like our run defense so far has been stout, you know, we're, we're stuffing everything. I mean, I bet our yards, you know, the yards per carry or opponents against us is super down. Um, but I'm curious to see how that's going to develop over time. Because obviously, we know at the end of the year, we got Michigan, who has Blake Corum, who, despite me not liking Michigan whatsoever, he's elite. He is next level running back, and he can really chew up some yards. So I'm curious to see how that run defense is going to further develop. Um, regarding this past game, how did you feel – with the dynamics of the balance with the running the ball and passing the ball whenever we're about to go into Notre Dame and play them? Um, yeah, I feel good about it. I mean, I think we both, you know, we, we <clears throat> were pretty balanced. And, you know, not only did we run the ball a lot and pass the ball a lot, but we did them both very efficiently, you know, so that's good. You know, it's you never want to see just – us throwing the ball well, but getting stuffed on the run or vice versa, right? You know, you want to see both both um, parts of the offense working well, and they, they certainly did. Um, yeah, I thought McCord looked sharp. Um, he did have just that one ball that um, early on he sailed it. You know, one of the things you mentioned when he misses, he usually misses high. Um, he sailed one over Julian Fleming's head, uh, but then came back the very next play and converted on fourth and five. So that showed a lot of um, you know, a short memory there, which is good. Um, the biggest thing that he had that he's got to learn from is that he held onto the ball too long. He did have that fumble where, you know, he didn't feel the pressure coming from the backside and they, they stripped it out. That's one of those things that just has to come with um, experience, come with maturity. I'm sure the coaches are going to give him plenty of hell about it, you know, this week uh, in the film room. That's just one of the things he's got to learn, that internal clock, you know, you know, one, two, three, and if it's not there, you you gotta you gotta roll out. You gotta get rid of the ball. You gotta do something. So, um, something he's gonna have to work on for sure. The other two things that that I I wrote, I just wrote these two these uh these few words here. I wrote, Travion is him. Denzel Burke is also him. <laughs> so you you already talked about it. Um, Travion and Denzel Burke. I, I like you said. I couldn't be happier with their performances especially after their down down years last year and again this just goes to show why another thing I hate about fans is just how how down they get on kids and this just shows why you never give up on a kid you know something 
you know, they were both playing hurt last year. They both were dealing with some, some confidence issues and stuff like that. And frankly, through the first three games of the season, they are very likely playing themselves into being first round picks. Um, so I, I'll be honest. I don't know if I've seen a more impressive running back in the country than, than Travion Henderson. I mean, he has looked very, very good. So yeah, that just goes to show why you just never give up on players and uh, they're, they're having major, major comeback seasons. Oh, absolutely. And the interesting thing is at the start of the season or preseason, everyone was really high on Mayan Williams. I mean, he was set to be, you know, right up there as one of the favorites in the running back competition. And potentially a lot of the sports analysts out there that talk, you know, Ohio State, not just sports in general, they were projecting the potential takeover of Travion's job by Mayan Williams. And now it seems like he's he's kind of the odd man out because Chip Trainum can come in and he can – run that hard-nosed football, but he just kind of brings a different dynamic where Mayan Williams is that guy like, hey, if I need a yard, cool, but he's not going to be breaking, you know, long runs, not not a lot of dynamics to him. He's just a downhill runner, which there's nothing wrong with that, but the type of offense that we're looking to run and continue to put out there, it's just – Unfortunately for him, just doesn't make the cut. And he would probably start on a lot of other teams or he would be, you know, one of those top backs on another team. It's just he happens to be on our team. And we've seen it time and time again, year after year, where a great talent just doesn't fully make the cut. And it doesn't mean that they're not good or possess that skill. I mean, look at – um. Oh, what was his – trying to remember it now, I drew a blank. So, it was the year that uh, – I want to say maybe it was Jameson Williams, Alabama receiver. He was a fourth-string guy on our receiving core. Yeah. And everyone's like, oh, Ohio State fumbled the bag with this guy. He's so great, yada, yada, yada. And it's like, no, we didn't fumble the bag. Our, our wide receiver room is just that dynamic that yeah, he just right. didn't make the cut. And a lot of people, especially fans, they have a hard time, you know, realizing that kind of like how we talked about Joe Burrow and his whole situation with Ohio State and people are, uh, oh, my gosh, they they really messed up and not playing Joe Burrow. And it's like, okay, well, if Joe didn't have that developing year down at LSU where, like you said, he was just above mediocre at average, then no one would ever talk about him because he wouldn't be sitting at Cincinnati Bengals right now as one of the highest, if not the highest played player in football. So yeah, that's just, as we've talked before, it's that whole fan dynamic of understanding, you know, Mm -hmm. the overall logistics of the game and not just being off of pure emotion. Yeah, and um, I kind of a, a good uh, little segue there. You kind of lead, led me into my next point. Um, somebody uh, that I have to give a shout-out to on the team, not that uh, I don't necessarily mean a shout-out, but I have to brag on because he's not going to hear this, is um, I, I don't think Julian Fleming's getting enough love. And, you know, I get it when, you know, a few years ago he was 
you know, he was the he was the number one receiver in the country. Every single school wanted him. And I thought he was a for sure, you know, home run of a guy, superior athlete. And has he lived up to that number one overall ranking? No, he, he absolutely has not. He, he's not the number one receiver in the country, right? We have we do have the number one receiver in the country, but it's not him. Um, but that doesn't mean he doesn't bring value to this team. And I, I really think he's having his best season by far. Um, I, I think he's looking great. And there's there was one play, and it happened in the game. And I called it out, and Katie was like, I don't know what you're talking about. But um, it happened at 242 uh, left in the second quarter. And it was a little tight end drag play to Stover for about 20 yards. And Julian was coming back. He had ran a route and uh, was, was coming back. And he had a, a an absolute just layup of a blindside block. I mean, he could have just demolished this guy. And he didn't. He stepped in front of the guy and threw his hands up. And again, this is not something you're going to see on a stat sheet. You're probably not going to see any other, you know, fan in the country notice this or, or brag about this. But that right there is just what he brings to the table. Like things um, like being a fantastic blocker, which, you know, um, you know, the, the commentators were bragging on him for the entire game, saying how good of a blocker he is. And, you know, to, to lay off of that block, which, you know, this is going to – we're going to relate this to Colorado later, right? You <laughs> saw at the end of the Colorado-Colorado State game, they that guy threw – you know, there was a, a receiver that threw a blindside block and very well could have cost Colorado State the game. It negated a touchdown in overtime. And so when people hear me say, like, oh, wow, he didn't throw a block, how is that impressive? And it's because th- little things like that, matter right like and nobody thinks they matter until they matter and against Colorado State and Colorado it mattered and so at some point in the season right you're you're you might have a young guy in there like say Carnell Tate and you know that's that that was just he you know every receiver in the country would be licking their chops to just light that guy up and he didn't right he he just he just he resisted and that just shows so much mature maturity um so much experience that you just you know, you can't, you can't devalue that. And, you know, so when people say, you know, oh, he's not getting, you know, this many touchdowns or he's not getting this reception yards, just remember that doesn't mean he doesn't bring value to the team because there's just so many qualities in a player that you just can't measure, right? You know, things like maturity, leadership, effort, intelligence, discipline, toughness, things like that. And I, I think those are all the things that Julian Fleming brings to the table even if he's not completely lighting up the stat sheet. So, uh, again, just I had to give him props for that. You know, uh, that's something that later on in the season, right, in a big game like Notre Dame, you know, that's something that could matter, right? You know, you get one of those – you get a long play or a touchdown negated by a stupid penalty like that, everybody's going to be saying, oh, what an idiot. Why did he do that? But, again, Julian Fleming is a guy who just, you know, he's, he's proved his worth in, in more ways than just the stat sheet. Oh, absolutely. So I'm actually really glad that you brought him up because I was trying to think of different things. So unlike you, I'm never prepared. And I just roll right into this with like basically no agenda, no notes, no anything. And I'm just rolling from the top of my head. And so I forgot to bring him up because I was thinking about this and I was saying it to myself because I watch games by myself. Um, But I was saying this to myself that he is very underrated in the aspect that 
he is willing to do all of the dirty work for none of the credit. Like yeah. the blocks that he, he is by far our best blocking receiver. And people don't realize this, but to be a wide receiver at Ohio State, including Marvin Harrison Jr., you must be a good blocker or else you just you won't you won't make the cut. And that's one of those things. People don't realize how valuable having blocking wide receivers are, but that helps open up all these stretch plays that we were running with Travion and even with uh, Trainum. We're running all these stretch plays. And our wide receivers are just throwing blocks left and right. And the commentators just kept talking about, they're like, man, these wide receivers, Brian Hartline's got them down to a T that they will block. You will hit somebody if you're going to play on this roster. And I also think that with Julian Fleming at some point in the season, and I hope this doesn't happen, right? I don't want to see anybody get hurt but it's inevitable in football injuries happen where people will miss some time. I think that he will get his when it matters. And it could be as simple as next week, or I guess technically it's this week when they play at Notre Dame, we might just throw him the ball more because he is a trusted, reliable guy. You know, he's not going to be breaking speed records. He's not going to be, you know, going over the top and catching a 50 plus yard touchdown but he'll gladly catch one in the middle and take a hit for us. And that's huge. Another huge thing that triggers this that I didn't think about, Cade Stover. This guy is, I think, maybe I'm just overhyping because he's high state, but I truly think that he is a NFL tight end. He blocks really well and has the softest hands. So there was one play where... McCord, I don't even I don't even know how Stover caught it because he was literally blanketed. But McCord threw it and it was almost at a weird angle. It felt like Stover should be turned towards the sideline, but instead he was turned back towards the middle. And but he was running towards the sideline and it like somehow just crept right into like his hip. And I mean he literally caught it with the nose of the football on his palm. And I feel like you probably know what I'm talking about. So he catches it with his palm, basically the nose of the football and then traps it with his other hand, breaks the tackle. And then I think it was like a 27 or 30 yard play. And I thought to myself, I'm like, man, this guy, I see at least once or twice a game, every game that he makes some sort of dynamic play with the ball or without the ball. And because we have guys like Emeka Buka, Marvin Harrison Jr., uh, Trevion, and then they're always talking about the quarterback with McCord and switching from that, he gets no coverage at all. And I think he is so underrated for what he does for us. I don't know, like, how much you pay attention to him, but that's just my – I just had to get that in there. Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 a freak, so I pay attention to everybody. I've, I I watched the Western Kentucky game three times, so I, I pay attention <laughs> to everything. But I I'm so glad you brought up Kate Stover because he is absolutely one of my favorite players on the team. And for anybody who doesn't know this, Kate Stover is a farm boy. He he's from Mansfield, Ohio, which is literally in the middle of no nowhere, Ohio, where there is nothing but corn. 
and he his grandparents and parents he was raised on a farm on weekends and stuff he goes home and helps out on the farm and one of the most hilarious things i've ever heard in an interview was uh at the beginning of this year before the season started um you know he got some kind of an nil deal and um they asked him like Cade, you know congratulations on the nil deal you know what are you going to spend what are you going to spend the money on he said well uh you know we just bought a new tractor and of course like all of the all of the uh you know like media people like cracked up and he's just sitting there like as serious as can be like because you have all these other guys like you know cj stroud last year was rolling around in a mercedes and you got marvin harrison jr uh you know wearing the louis vuitton everything and Cade Stover is buying a new tractor with his NIL money. So just I, I, I just love him. Like, I, I love how hard-nosed he is. He's the hardest worker on the team. He's a, he's a cool story, too, because he came in as, like, a linebacker slash defensive end, and he's bounced around positions, offense to defense, multiple times. And, you know, those projects like that, when, when you see a guy bouncing around, moving positions all the time, that is usually not a good sign. You, you, that's not what you want. And so the fact that he has, you know, done so well at tight end, he has blown out every expectation I ever had of him. And uh, so, yeah, I, I think he's a great tight end. I think he has an NFL, NFL future. And um, you can bet your butt that when he's done playing in the NFL, he will be back in Mansfield, Ohio, farming on the nicest farming equipment anybody in Central Ohio, <laughs> in Central Ohio has ever seen. So love Cade Stover. You're going to get one of those Lamborghini tractors. I don't know if you've ever <laughs> seen that. There's a – actually a series on uh netflix it's called uh clarkson's farm it's this guy named jeremy clarkson and it's out it's in the uk and this guy he's like this rich guy and he just decided he's always had farmland and it hit like i think it was the year before covid and he's like you know what i'm gonna try out this farming thing so this guy buys a lamborghini tractor which is just massive right doesn't even fit in his barn. His first day, he backs it into the roof of the, like the top part of the barn. And it's just, it's hilarious. So he's going to have all the equipment because that guy gets all the nice stuff too. So uh, <laughs> definitely you should check that out too. Another good series to watch. It's just fun. And uh, to me, it's, I have, I think it's hilarious, honestly. He's always cussing because he's smashing his fingers, trying to do the most basic farm work ever. Um <laughs> But one of the things that you and I, so I would guess at this point, the viewers realize that we talk quite a bit off of the podcast throughout the week or on the weekends with all the football. One of the things I talked about that just grinds my gears and it did it again this week are the rankings. And I know a lot of people will say, hey, first couple of weeks don't matter, yada, yada, yada. But all in all, when you factor in what the committee takes in account for the year, they take in account where these teams are ranked when they play during the year. And it's the AP poll that is driving this factor. Now, I know we talked a little bit about the whole SEC and all that stuff. But what I cannot grasp is the absolute pitiful performances and every team in the top 12, except Ohio State's, and nothing. I just, I want to get, how, how are you feeling? Do you care? Or is it, is it something that, like, for me, it just, it drives me nuts. And I, I just can't stop complaining about it. 
<laughs> um, yeah, unfortunately, um, yeah, you won't get much reaction out of me when it comes to polls. It, it, not not ones this early. Um, I get it. I mean, I, I'm not going to sit here and ranking say rankings don't matter at all because because that's not true by any means. Um, I, I I do think obviously ranked wins, ranked losses. Um, you know, that stuff adds up when you're one of those teams that's a fringe uh, playoff team, you know, for sure. You know, if you have a if you have a loss, you know, they're going to look at what kind of loss was that? You know, was it to an unranked team? Was it to a team that, you know, had struggled throughout the year or was it to a top 10 opponent? And so, yeah, certainly, you know, the better loss you have and the better wins you have, you know, those those things do add up. You know, I'm not going to sit here and act like they don't. Um but for me, my, my biggest thing is, you know, looking back to a few years ago, I don't remember what year it was, 18, 19 or whatever, when we were kind of that last team that was left out of um, the playoff, right? We finished like fifth or whatever, and we didn't make it in. And Buckeye fans are in an uproar, like, you know, comparing teams. Well, we should have made it in over this team. We should have made it in over that team, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, my argument was, well, we should have won all of our games. You know, that's – to me, you got to take care of business. And if you want to – um, you know, clear your, your road to the, your path to the playoff. You, you better win all your damn games and, and you better look impressive. Right. Cause to me, again, if you, you lose that one, you get that one loss and people start comparing, you know, wins and losses and stuff like, Hey, you should have just took care of business and you shouldn't have put yourself in that position in the first place. So, you know, if you get left out, maybe you deserve it. I don't know. Well, and I can, I can relate to that, but, it's just, it's crazy how melodramatic they are with other teams winning, right? And, like, if we don't win by a lot, it's considered a negative. And I get it. That comes with being yeah. an elite program. You're expected to win by a lot, especially these first few weeks. Uh, fully understand that. But in a week like last week, I mean – I I don't think anybody saw any of that coming. I mean, we could start with Alabama. Holy yeah. moly. Yeah, sure. I mean, one, I couldn't believe the Alabama that Nick Saban decided to bench their quarterback from the previous week because of the loss, I guess. I mean, yes, he struggled with his accuracy, but at the same time, it's like the guy won the job for a reason. And this past week really, really showed that. I mean, their quarterback play has been so awful. And I think because their defense isn't as top, you know, because typically they almost have like an NFL-style defense, obviously not a pure NFL defense, but it's normally super stout. And because they don't have that this year, they're struggling against teams yeah. that they should – like uh, they played – South Florida. Yeah. And it was just, it was horrible. I I watched that game. I didn't realize nobody expected that game to be close. I flipped it on. And I mean, South Florida literally had a chance to win that game. And a lot of people will be like, oh, well, Alabama won by whatever. And it's like, dude, they scored with like 30 seconds left in the game when the game was already over. Like they could have just kneeled it out but they purposely went and scored a touchdown to try and make it look like a better quality win. But anybody that watched that, they, they know exactly what they were, uh, what they were getting from it. 
Yeah, so I, I, I definitely understand. I think I see I think I see your point on um, you know, you know, kind of the AP poll does tend to overreact a little bit early in the season, right? Like um, you know, you've seen a couple teams jump the Buckeyes, you've seen the Buckeyes fall a couple spots. So I, I certainly get what you're saying because you know, Texas made a huge leap after they beat Alabama. Florida State made a huge leap after they beat LSU. And, you know, really, I guess that's just because at this point in the year, there's just so little to go off of that, you know, they're just going to hang on that one big win that a team has because, you know, I guess looking at last week, right, to Texas, Alabama was a massive win. It was by far the best win of the se- of the season by any team. But then fast forward just one week, right, and Alabama struggles to beat South Florida, right? They were only up seven to three at halftime or something like that. Only one 17 to three. So, so yeah, when you go ahead and you make that snap judgment that like, Oh, Texas must be amazing because they beat Alabama. But then fast forward to a week and you're like, Oh, but wait, is Alabama even good? So then you're, you're back to, well, is Texas even good? Right. Same thing with like Florida state, you know? Yeah. They beat um, LSU in a, in a good game, but then you see, them struggle against Boston College this week, only beat them by two points. So, yeah, I mean, at this point, you know, the AP poll, it, it, there's just so much overreaction, you know, oh, we're going to jump this team way up because they had a good win. But, you know, when you have very little to go off of this early in the season, they're just finding every every little good and bad thing they can to move teams up and down. So, you know, once you get that full body of work towards the end of the season that you can really go off of and really gauge how these teams are, um, you know, that's when the rankings start to matter to me. So again, not, not a big concern for me. And, um, like I said, man, this, uh, we were talking about it off the show on Saturday, this playoff race is wide open. I mean, to me, I can always, or at least I, I feel like most people can, you can always name two or three teams at the beginning of the year and say, these two or three teams, I guarantee you, I'll put any amount of money are going to be in the playoff at the end of the year. Right. I mean, since this thing has came out, you've been able to do that. And this, I feel like, is that one year that you just can't. Um, you know, there's just so many teams that are, like, Georgia at the top. They struggled against South Carolina. Um, Michigan struggled early against Bowling Green. I mean, really, if you look at the top ten teams, Ohio State looked the best out of all of them. And they're the team that everybody was so down on the first couple of weeks. So this playoff race is completely just wide open at this point. It's anybody's guess, anybody's money who – those top four teams are going to be at the end of the year. So, man, this is going to be an absolute wild season. Oh, undoubtedly. And this is the last thing I'll say about this, and I'll let it go until next week. (laughs) (laughs) The thing that's wild is Texas struggled, struggled for three and a half quarters with Wyoming, and they they moved to number three. Yeah. Florida State yeah. was number yeah, three jump. before that. Right. Florida right. State was number three before that. And they were absolutely pitiful against Boston College. They dropped they dropped to four. Actually, I need to look this up surprisingly, because I don't know who number five is. USC. Okay, see, I didn't see their game this past week, so I don't know um who they played or what their game looked like. Stanford 50, they beat Stanford 56-10. So. Okay, so that makes sense. My thing yeah. is, with the performances that happened this past week, I, I feel like Ohio State not being at five or 
I guess, I mean, I would like to have seen them at four, honestly, but to not even see them at five is just, it was a joke to me. It's like, come on, dude. Like, how are you going to move Texas up a spot? If anything, USC should be, you know, at that three spot, but they're still, I get what you're saying. They're still holding on to that Alabama win, but, and I like to think that, you know, Nick Saban, the genius that he is, he's going to get them through games and they're going to get wins. It may not be the typical pretty dominant performance that we're used to seeing. It might be – it clearly looks like it's a different Alabama team this year compared to normal years. But I feel like he'll still get them, you know, uh, multiple – I don't know if they'll make it to double-digit wins this year or not. But it very well could be the opposite end, which is so just – unfamiliar to say at this point in the season that they they could easily be sitting at the end of the season with three losses or more which is i mean it's it it feels weird to even say it out loud but i mean when you see what we've seen so far from them and you look in that sec conference and you look at their schedule i mean they there's a lot of games they could easily lose oh yeah, I mean, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, tons of top 25 ranked teams, you know, Ole Miss, um, Tennessee, LSU. Um, and then, you know, if you make it to the SEC championship game, I guess Georgia. But, yeah, I mean, I'm with you. They're, they could easily drop another game or two for sure. And it's like – like, they'll, there's been quite a few years where Alabama's offense will be down, but their defense carries them. And, like – Kind of like Georgia last year, I mean, they had an okay offense. It was good. It wasn't elite by any means, I don't think. But their defense was insane and carried them, especially in a lot of those games. Like you said uh, a couple weeks ago, there was several times last year that they should have lost but did not because their defense was able to carry them through. So, But Alabama just doesn't seem like that defense is quite at that level. And – so it's definitely unfamiliar territory with them. Seeing Georgia struggle like like they did against South Carolina, I figured, hey, maybe the first half. Like I fully – I don't get too wild on the first half of games just because, you know, it's early in the season. Teams can start out sluggish or just playing flat. But then – now, if it gets to, like, the end of the third quarter and we're looking at teams that should not even be remotely where they are in games, and that's when I'm like, ooh, maybe maybe they're not, you know, what they're hyped up to be. And it's, like you said, it's definitely wide open. Um, I guess we can kind of shift now towards – what a lot of people, well, when I say a lot of people, every media outlet in the world. And I think for the first time in my life, I can understand why so many people hate LeBron. Because if you didn't grow up being a fan and seeing how much media that he gets, I can see why people are tired of like, okay, like, let's talk about something else. I swear to you, every other Twitter post, every other facebook instagram that is a sports media outlet it's colorado this colorado that and i think you've got like 
two spectrums. You got people like me that are just like, bro, I'm fed up. I'm tired of hearing this. I'm tired of listening to them. It's a cool story, but at the end of the day, we all know what's going to happen. And then there's the other spectrum where it's like, oh, no, they're now a diehard fan of a team that they've probably never even heard of until this year. Um, it just – I don't – where do you sit with that? Just where do I sit with Colorado? Like, how, Yeah, in how general, like, are you – are you like, are you liking it? Are you like, hey, man, I, this is a cool story. I hope that they, I don't want to say I hope they fail. That sounds very cynical of me, but it's, I'm ready for them to be humbled by a legitimate team. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Listen, I, I get it. You know, coach, coach prime, coach Sanders, he is, he is polarizing and, and he does things like nobody's ever done it. I mean, frankly, he does things his way. And, you know, I don't know. I, I got to admit, I, I in the beginning, I, I wouldn't say I was a hater, but I'll call myself a doubter. You know, even when he went um, to Jackson State, like, you know, he coached uh, high school at a high level in Texas for several years. But, you know, just the way he does things, people were like, is he going to translate to, you know, a college and he did um he did very well and then you know making the jump from jackson state to colorado people are like okay you know same thing right this is this is different you know like can he can he translate and just the you know the even albeit the most unique way i've ever seen by basically firing the entire team you know he just the level of talent he was able to bring around in less than a year and the product that he's been able to put together like the coaching staff Again, I mean, he just continues to prove people wrong, including myself. And so, you know, while I'm not, I'm just, I, I'm, I'm neither here nor there. Like, I'm not a hater, but I'm not like, um, uh, what you're not I'm sold. Not saying, right? I'm, I'm not, I'm not completely drinking the Kool Aid either, right? I'm not like, oh, Colorado, they're amazing. I love it. You know, I'm just still, you know, I'm, I'm starting. He's starting to show me that he can really coach to high level, and whether he's going to move up to a you know, a bigger program in a few years, I would have said no, but at this point I'm saying maybe he can. So high or low on Colorado, either one. I mean, they're proving people wrong. It is a cool story. It's a very unique situation that we've never seen before. Um, but yeah, I don't know. You, once you once again, like, like we said last week and like you just said, you still got to show me what you can do against – you know, a, a top opponent, and um, he's going to get that here. He's going to get a shot next week against uh, uh, USC. So we'll see. Uh, well, they've got Oregon this week. Um, but yeah, not this week. And then week. USC to follow. <laughs> well, I think even with Oregon. So the one thing with them, definitely he attracts the talent. I think it's because I'm also tired of hearing prime, 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 prime. Like I almost, and it's maybe I sit differently with this. But I almost feel like it's disrespectful. And I know that he feeds off of it and thrives off of it. And I get that. But from the professional aspect, like if they're talking about all these other coaches, they'll say Coach Saban, Coach Ryan Day, Coach, you know, whatever. Yeah. But for him, they're yeah. like, oh, Prime, Prime, Coach Prime. Coach Prime. Right. And it's like, right. well, why doesn't he get the respect of getting his name 
called out. And this isn't like me trying to get into that whole race baiting bullshit. Um, but in reality, it's just, to me, it does come off as like, they're in my eyes, it's low key disrespectful. But again, I do know that he eats that up and he thrives on it. And I do think that there is a definitely a high ceiling for them. Like he, like you said, his coaching ability is it's great. I mean, he's a good game manager it's crazy. I think my favorite part about the story is watching his kids. Like, yeah. what a story. The fact that your son's a starting quarterback, your son, your other son's a starting cornerback, and you're the head coach. And, you know, whether we all like it or not, they're sitting at 3-0. and And his son is one of the top, top players in uh, passing yards. Although... This last game, he did not look good until it was, you know, what it really needed to be good at the end. Um, he struggled. His other son had a pick six to open up the game. So it's just, it's crazy to think of how much talent is running through that bloodline. Like, you know, he was this insane freak athlete that multi-sport at the professional level that you just don't see. And then to see that translate down to his kids, it's just adds, you, as a dad alone, you just eat that up. Totally cool. Um, I am curious. So I know we talked a little bit offline about it. Looking back at all the replays and stuff with this hit on Travis Hunter, do you think it was a super dirty play? Do you think it was just a football play that we don't see that often anymore because of all the new rules that have been placed over the last five years? Or do you think it was just straight up cheap shot, dirt, he was trying to hurt him? Yeah, it's got to be that. Uh, um, I, again, you know, the way the guy hit him, yeah, sure, you know, the shot was mostly – you know, with his shoulder, it was to the chest. But again, to me, it's not really the way he hit the guy. It was definitely the timing of it. I mean, I, I went back earlier and watched it multiple times. And the ball, you, you, you clearly watched, like, the, the ball hit right in front of the guy, like the, the safety who was running towards him. The ball was way over Hunter's head. It was clearly uncatchable. The dude watched it hit the ground, had plenty of time to pull up, and, and he didn't. You know, it, it was... Again, it's not the dirtiest play I've ever seen in my life, um, but it, it was a cheap shot. And, and again, just by, you know, if it was a bang-bang play, like maybe the ball tipped off a hunter's hands and then the dude, you know, whatever. He's, you know, maybe his, his head's already down. He can't he can't see it's a bang-bang play. You know, those, those things happen. But I, I'm sorry, that dude watched the ball hit the ground and hit him anyways. And, you know, Travis Hunter is going to be out a few weeks for it. And, you know, he just doesn't deserve that for, it was a cheap shot by far. Now, you know, I've seen a lot of things on social media, not that social media overreacts to things about the kid should lose his scholarship. He should be suspended. He should be kicked off the team. His family's, you know, receiving death threats and all this stuff. And it's like, okay, it, it was a cheap shot, but does the kid deserve any of that? You know, of course not. Of course not. So, yeah, it, it was a cheap shot. Um, you know, I, I don't like it. I think, you know, the hits a little bit more out of control as the game went on. You know, I think the refs and the coaching staff should have both done a better job of keeping the game um, under control. There was that. That's the most amount of penalty, penalties I've seen in a game in a very long time. So, 
Yeah, that dude, you could tell by his body language, he, you know, he was trying to hurt the guy. I'll, I'll be honest. He, you know, it, it wasn't an accident by any means. So I do think, because I my first reaction was like, oh, damn, he just decleated him. Like, that was an awesome, huge hit. Obviously, Travis Hunter got hurt. And I was like, you know, you, you never want to see a dude get hurt. Um, and I honestly, I do agree with you. I think if there would have been better management of the game and pregame, that's the problem. Yeah. There was so much talking back and forth uh, between the me and what hurts too is because the media has grabbed Colorado and they are going to go and roll with anything and everything. It blew up into this huge like their rivalry has probably been pretty long stead. I don't think I've ever heard of it being like it was this last weekend. Like nobody had ever, I didn't even, honestly, I didn't even know that they were rivals. That's, <laughs> I mean, that's just the reality of it. But because, you know, I was excited to watch the game though, because I hadn't really got to watch Colorado play that much other than replays and highlights and stuff. So I wanted to watch the whole game and get to see for myself what they're actually looking like. And that play, like the more I replayed it, I'm like, yeah, he definitely, I don't know if he wanted to, injure him right to where he has to leave the game and that kind of thing i definitely think the intent to cause pain was definitely there because (laughs) of all this buildup of animosity and shit talking back and forth because what's not shown a lot is that travis hunter right before the game was talking so much to colorado state all oh, up yeah. in there, and it was to the point where they actually had to separate and get him away from the other team because they were going to, you know, potentially could have led to a fight before the game. And I think with all that, you know how these guys are. I mean, think about it. They're in their early 20s. Some of them are still teenagers, which is insane to think. They're doped up on this – and not literally doped up. That sounds bad. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're – adrenaline is through the roof. The animosity is through the roof. Emotions are through the roof. And I think he just made a bad decision. I think he thought this is my chance to get that lick in. And, and it ended up being uh, as much as people don't like it, it technically by rule, it was just, it's a late hit unnecessary roughness. Cause initially I thought, Oh, why is this not targeting every other big hit in college football is targeting, but he didn't hit him in the head and neck area. He hit him, like, in the chest, stomach area. He didn't lead with the crown of the helmet. He contacted with the shoulder. The only thing you could say is defenseless player, but <laughs> we've seen that that's a vague, vague uh, <laughs> interpretation over the years. So, I just – I like I say, I never want to see a guy get hurt. So, that that definitely sucks. And, you know, now – and I really didn't want to see that, too, because if – Colorado gets beat the next two weeks and it's somewhat close and you know the excuse train of oh well if we had Travis Hunter then this wouldn't happen yada 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 um but at the end of the day we can't ignore the fact that they were almost 25 point favorites at home playing against a team that has not been good in a decade or more and when I say not good I mean like 
500 win seasons. Um, it was just, it was sloppy. It was, there was a crap ton of penalties. I did think, despite the targeting call and ejection and overtime, I did think that by the mid third quarter, a lot of the extra BS that was happening after the plays kind of calmed down a little bit, right? It wasn't like the first half, it was both teams were jawing back and forth every single play. There was just blowing the whistle after whistle. Just it was, it was just sloppy. There's no other way to put it. It was sloppy. It was also exciting in another sense, though. Like we saw a pick six, we saw a wide receiver throwback touchdown, we saw fumble recoveries. Like it was, there was so much happening in that game. And I mean, I would love to see the view. I bet the viewership was through the roof on it because a lot of people, like I say, they're tuning in because they either want to see Colorado lose or there's some people like me that just wanted to see what they're about. And then there's the others who are now fans of Colorado. Um, Just a a wild game. But like I think, I think the next couple weeks is really going to tell, tell the tale for Colorado and what their season is going to be like. And despite, you know, what others might say out there, realistically, I mean, even if they finish the season six and six, that is a success. When you consider where they were last year and all the stuff they went through to get to where they are now, um, I definitely see if he's – see, I want to say prime now. I'm so used to hearing. Uh, if he stays there for a while, he'll he'll definitely draw in talent, and I think they just need a little more time to develop a good defense. They have no run defense. We saw that this last week, so it's going to be interesting. Do you have any final takes on Colorado Colorado State game? Um. Yeah. So I mean, you know, I touched on the Travis Hunter hit. Um, Sanders, I will say, like he. He did impress me a little bit. Like I said, you know, kind of my my big uh, my my big knack on him was just, you know, is he is he going to be an NFL quarterback? Does he have those tools to translate to the next level? And he he showed me a little bit of that on Saturday, um, especially just the, uh, I mean the 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 stone cold uh, ice in his veins, you know, sort of moxie it takes to lead, you know, the, the I don't I think. Was it like an 80-yard, you know, less than a minute left in the game, whatever? I don't know. 98 yards. yards, You know, two-minute drill sort of thing down the field. I mean, just the kind of, you know, I don't know, the the kind of guts and the kind of poise it takes to do that. That was impressive to me. I I saw him, you know, letting that ball fly a little bit. Like, he did show me some some arm strength and and stuff like that, too. So, again, I'm starting to – Starting to starting to buy it a little bit more. Um, you know, he's flying up NFL draft boards um, again to me. Let's see how he does against Oregon and, and USC in this schedule. But um, he clearly has the tools. You know, I'll give him that. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. And like I said, you, you know, my last thing was just that that blindside block that, that um, negated Colorado State's last touchdown. You know, now, sure, they would have had to – um, you know, make a two point conversion too. So, you know, we don't know that they, that that necessarily cost them the game, right. Because they still had, 
you know, one step left. But um, again, just, you know, things like that, when emotions are high and, um, you know, the game's on the line, you know, are you going to have a guy that's that you that you trust to make good decisions and not give up a costly penalty like that? So, you know, that was kind of my how I related that to Julian, Julian Fleming. Right. You know, is you know, is there going to be a situation in a big game where, you know, so a situation like that comes up and, you know, uh, that he lays the wood to a guy and, you know, a, a big play gets negated that could turn around the game. So, um, you know, that something like that, you know, while it might seem small and it was un, it was unimportant to the Western Kentucky game, you know, again, that's something that could be a big deal later on. And it was certainly a big ga- a big deal in the uh, Colorado State game. So, yeah, that's all I got so, to say about that. <laughs> you did bring up an interesting thing, and this is something that drives me nuts. And you would think by now – in the football world that people would figure these coordinators and stuff would figure it out. And I know I'm being a couch coach right now, but that's okay. It's my podcast. (laughs) Um, If your defense is working well the whole game and you're up by a touchdown, or in that case, you're up by eight points, a touchdown and a two point conversion why switch to cover three deep and just give yards after yards after yards in the middle, like 10, 12, 15-yard chunks, play after play? Why? Why not run the same defense and live with the risk of getting beat over the top? Because guess what? If you get beat over the top, they still got to get the two-point conversion. And then there's time for you to potentially get a game-winning field goal. I see this in the pros all the time when people play the Chiefs. They will switch. And when they're up, they'll switch to that cover three deep or cover two deep. And Travis Kelsey will dice them up like vegetables in the middle for 15, 16-yard gains. And they're down the field and – 35 seconds, 40 seconds, and like seven plays, six plays. And I just – I for the life of me, I cannot understand why they change. And I, I get it. You don't want to give up the home run. But it's like Colorado State did not give up any home run passes the whole game. And they changed their defense like that at the very end when it matters the most. To me, it's just it, – it doesn't make sense. And I don't know if you feel the same way about it or if you're a supporter of the, all right, let's – we can live with underneath. But the problem is, is it's not underneath because it's too loose of coverage to where you're giving up 10 to 17 yards a, a pass. Yeah, I mean, I get it. I, I get what you're saying, right? I mean, those – you know, when you're dropping three deep, um, uh, you know, as opposed to two deep, right, you're leaving more softer zones um, in those midsections of the field. So, yeah, I, I think for defensive coordinators, it's probably um, – I'm just guessing here. It's probably playing some kind of percentages. You know, like I mentioned last week, like, you know, these dudes aren't just, you know, whipping out a play saying, like, ah, this one looks good, you know. It's all based on some sort of analytic of what plays – have this high, you know, the, the technology with that these days is so crazy. Um, some of the things I've heard about. So again, I'm sure it's a percentage thing. I'm sure, 
you know, the, the likelihood of keeping everything in front of you, sort of like we talked about earlier and just letting, you know, maybe try to let your defensive lineman make a play. Um, and, you know, like you said, not getting beat over top, not giving up the big play. Maybe the percentages is just higher of playing zone as according, you know, or as opposed to playing man. Um, you know, I don't know. It's a good question. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm sure defensive coordinators have their reason, you know, what that is. I'm not really sure. I mean, I just, like I say, I feel like we see it time and time again. I just saw it yesterday in the Chargers Titans game. I see it, like I say, all the time with when Kansas city plays, um, Actually, a prime example, they were playing back parts of the Super Bowl there of uh, the Chiefs and the Eagles in that documentary I was talking about. And you see it there, too. And it's like, dude, like, I just – it's tough, right? It's tough. Obviously, we all want to know why. And that's that's my thing. It's like, bro, make it make sense. And I'm sure a defensive – a legitimate defensive – probably even a college, like, mid-tier college defensive coordinator it could probably be like this is yada 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 and i'd probably be mind blown and be like oh my god that makes sense you know what i mean it's just i'm not i am not a professional in that manner so i don't know what i don't know and it just it, it drives me nuts and speaking of the nfl your jets with zach wilson took that loss to the Cowboys, how you feeling after? Are you surprised? Not surprised? Are you sold on Zach Wilson? What's uh, what's the scoop for you on that? <laughs> um, am I sold on Zach Wilson? That's a very easy no. Um, I guess the biggest surprise for me was just how bad the defense played. Um, to me, the defense was the biggest the biggest letdown of the day um, by far. You know, to play so well against. Josh Allen and the Bills, who also have an elite offense, like, I, I don't know what happened, but, um, you know, our, our defensive line wasn't getting home. Our our uh, DBs were giving up chunk plays. Um, I will credit, I know, like, we've talked about Dak Prescott a little bit. You know, while I don't think Dak Prescott is an elite NFL quarterback, like, Cowboys fans probably think he is a, he is a good quarterback. And I'll, I'll give him credit. He picked apart a very good defense yesterday. You know, they were well-prepared, and they looked really good. So I got to give him credit. C.D. Lamb made some absolutely stupid catches. And um, our, our DBs, frankly, I'll, I'll give it to them. You know, they were hit-sticking him all day, and some of their receivers, they were putting huge hits on guys, and those receivers were just hanging on the ball somehow. Um, so I'll give their receivers credit. Um yeah, I mean, Zach Wilson, you know, he made some really nice plays with his legs. Um, he made that one pass to Garrett Wilson that went for, like, 60-some yards or whatever. But, you know, it was a it really just a busted coverage. You know, it wasn't like it was an amazing throw. Like, it right. was just a simple – it was a simple slant, and um, the, the one of the safeties bit a little too hard, and, um, you know, Garrett took her to the house. But – yeah, throwing the ball, he didn't look good. But then again, you know, receivers weren't getting open. The offensive line was terrible. You know, he was under a ton of pressure. So, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say, like, it was a great performance and Zach Wilson let us down because that's far from the truth. He did not have any help in any level of the game, right? Defense didn't help him out. Special teams didn't help him out. The run game, Brees Hall, who was amazing the first game, only had four carries 
Like, what are we doing? Um, Cole Hardman, who was brought over from the Chiefs, you know, that really super fast um, Swiss Army Knife kind of player has not played at all the first two games. So, you know, a lot of people are questioning what is what's going on with that decision, with the play calling. Um, why isn't Alan Lazard getting more, you know, getting more looks? Um, isn't he like 6'4"? So, yeah, he's huge. 6'4", 6'5". I was just saying, I thought he was a big receiver. Massive, massive, massive body. I mean, the compliment of him and Garrett Wilson and McCall Hardman and Randall Cobb, I mean, they just have such a very good, you know, different skill sets, like good compliment, good size, like to each other. And they're just not getting utilized. And I know a, a big part of that has to be that obviously this entire offseason, this entire team, this entire offense was all built around Aaron Rodgers. And for all of that to just go out the window with a snap snap of the fingers, right? I mean, that can't be easy, you know, trying to oh, figure out a brand, a brand new game plan, a brand new offensive scheme. Um, so I think they're still just trying to figure that out. You know, how can we – you know, how can we um, use Zach, Zach Wilson's skill set as good as we can? And, you know, frankly, again, I'm not going to pin this loss on him because so many other aspects of the game were so bad. So, you know, I want to see when all things are clicking, when the offensive line's playing good, defense is playing good, run game's going well, how does he look then? You know, because if everything else is clicking around him and he still sucks, then that's on him. But, you know, for, for yesterday – the whole team was terrible. I mean, there's just no other way to say it. So, yeah, disappointing loss. You know, definitely want to see how they come back um, next week. So what I'm curious to see, or, well, I guess we wouldn't see it, but what I wonder when it comes to that game, I feel like the defense probably went into the game overcompensating. Because they know that obviously they're going to have the ball. They're going to have to play a lot more minutes than they would if Aaron Rodgers was starting because the offense would be on the field more. So I wonder if that played a little factor into it because, I mean, Dallas did keep them on the field. And so I wonder if that played a factor just overcompensating because, you know, like you said, they lost Aaron Rodgers. Everything was planned around him. And now they're feeling this new pressure of, okay, well, we got to control the entire – game and you know we gotta I mean basically I mean if I was the Jets my game plan would be all right we're gonna hold teams to 17 or less and hope that our offense is good enough to score you know 17 or more a game (laughs) yeah Uh, but that's kind of like uh what the 49ers used to do with Jimmy G as the quarterback they They didn't go out there trying to be a high-powered offense. They went out there trying to be a high-powered defense, and they were getting ugly wins for a while there where it would be like 9-3 yeah. to three or 15-9 to you know nine or some weird stuff like that. So that's, that's going to be interesting. Um, the Dolphins looked good again uh, playing at New England. So they played at. LA Chargers and then at New England and it's they're looking mighty interesting Buffalo bounce back Josh Allen had a great performance I think what's concerning to me is Cincinnati I saw that Joe Burrow re-aggravated his calf injury and I mean I think we talked about it the first 
recording that you and I did. I don't know. I think we were talking about those, those tissue type of injuries, like the groin or the hamstring and, um, they just linger. And I could foresee this being a problem the whole season or half the season. Yeah. Um, it's a big concern. Uh, I mean, you know, injuries like this are gonna, are ones that are gonna, gonna nag, right? Like those, those calf injuries, um, hamstrings, um, things like that are, they're tough. Um, you know, even certain things like even certain broken bones are almost better to have. Cause you just, you know, you, 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 you have your cast, you do your rehab, it heals up and, and you're good to go. Not a lot of re-aggravation, but like when you're dealing with these muscles, it's just so different. Like one little tiny movement can, can re-aggravate it. And um, yeah, if this, this is something that if it sticks around, you know, early on in the season, like they're in trouble. I mean, again, they're starting off 0-2 and, and I know they started off 0-2. Um, I think they started 0-3 last year. Yeah. So, I mean, they struggled early on last year, but, it, but again, like if this thing just keeps this injury, keeps just hanging around and hanging around and hanging around, the longer this goes, you know, the, the worse it's looking for the Bengals. Um, so if Burrow can stay healthy and the offensive line can play good, you know, they're going to be just fine. But um, for now, you know, like I said, this injury is it's, – it's worrisome for sure. Well, and the big thing with them is I don't know if it's this season or next offseason that they – they have to start making those contract decisions. Like right now, Jamar Chase is still on a rookie deal. They just paid Joe Burrow an absolute bag. I would imagine, I mean, I feel like they'd be crazy to not pay Jamar Chase, but I know they've also got Mixon that they're dealing with. They'll have uh, T. Higgins. So trying to maintain that offense that they have is tough. And I mean, we've seen it with the Chiefs. The Chiefs paid all that money to Patrick Mahomes. And I just saw today, actually, they restructured his deal to where it frees up like another $10 million in cap space, but it actually still somehow he gets paid more. I don't really know how that works, but um, they lost Tyreek Hill because, I mean, they could have paid him, and but they, you know, they didn't want to use all that cap space to pay him. And Tyreek's been absolute unit at Miami. They didn't want to pay Juju Smith-Schuster, which, I mean, I don't blame them there. But they, I mean, their wide receiver room has been a revolving door. And we saw, not this past week, but the week before, when he didn't have Travis Kelsey, it it, it really bit him in the butt. You know, they, they had so many drops. And I think it's just that development of having a consistent, I wouldn't say an entire wide receiver room, but most teams have their one and two wide receiver one, wide receiver two guy, and they will keep them as long as they possibly can. Whereas the Chiefs, like I say, the last three, four years, it's just been a revolving door on those receivers. And it's interesting seeing the drops and stuff like that. I'm sure it'll probably get cleaned up by the end of the season, but I think that could be concerning for them. Um, Bengals are definitely a win now. The thing that's surprising to me how is tampa bay undefeated i know it's only two games in but literally of all people yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah no totally weird i mean you know you gotta be i'm sure people are just saying like baker mayfield like come on what are we doing but 
yeah, somehow they've pulled off a couple wins, and I, you know, I don't understand it. But um, um, let me uh, – I, I got to throw in something sort of like, uh, you know, like a, we'll, we'll do like a breaking news, da 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 So as this podcast has transpired, I received a trade offer, like probably a few – minutes into the episode i got a trade offer on my phone from from our you know from uh one of our buddies in the league marcus and it was for nick chubb um, <laughs> who is on my team and he offered me Tua Tagovailoa and uh romeo dobbs for nick chubb please um, tell me you accepted it <laughs> fast forward about 30 or 40 minutes I get an I get a notification saying the trade offer has been canceled, and so I'm like, uh, "Okay, that's weird. What is going on?" And then to flip over to my fantasy team and see that Nick Chubb is out, um, it says he was carted off the field. And then I flipped over to Twitter as you were speaking, and saw the video of what happened to him. And oh my God, it's one of those like his knee got bent in a way that people's knees should not. I'm looking at it right now and I can't um, looks like a really gruesome injury and one that's probably going to be a season ender. So just a little update right there. I know this episode won't come out for a day or two, but um, yeah, not looking good for me that my best running back, you know, my first round pick is out, not looking good for the Browns that their best player is out. Um, so yeah, really hate to see that. Um, ugh, horrible looking injury. Well, I told you early on, there's a reason why I didn't take people off of certain teams, even though Nick <laughs> Chubb would be worth it. Uh, yeah. That just you hate to see that. That's that's miserable yep. for sure. Uh, dipping a little bit. I don't want to take up too much more of your time here. I know it's getting a little later. I still need to. Uh, eat dinner. My kid had he's been eating. Well, I wouldn't say he's been eating, but he's been supposed to have eating while we were doing this. Uh, somewhat, you know how it is with kids; they got to be maintained twenty four seven, or else they're gonna deviate. Um, touching base on fantasy this year, just real quick. We'll do five minutes, if that. It is a interesting year. A lot of people, and I don't know. I actually want to see if you picked him up because I think you might have because you're on it. The Rams have a wide receiver who is just going off. Like, Puka? yes, <laughs> I did not pick him up. I um I took a peek at him last week. And um, I ended up going with Jacoby Myers instead because I did need a receiver. Um, he had a really strong week last week, a really strong week this week. I think they said he's got more catches through the first two games of any player in NFL history. So just a completely wild, stupid statistic. Um, I did not pick him up. Somebody did. I, I can't remember who. Um, the only reason I didn't, I, I will say like he was on my radar. He was kind of between two or three guys I was kicking around. And the only reason I didn't is because I have Cooper cup, um, who I know is, you know, going to be their number one guy when he gets back here in a few weeks, hopefully. So that was kind of my thing with him is like, you know, is Puka going to have a few, like, is he going to be good until cup gets back? 
and then be a be irrelevant, you know. So that's kind of my thing is just, you know, I, I would like to say that, you know, Cooper Cup is going to eat up all those targets when he returns. Um, but you know, maybe he, uh, maybe this guy's proven he, he's so, a bigger role. So yeah, I don't know. What's your thoughts on him? In two weeks, he's gotten thirty-five targets. So crazy. even even if That's you crazy. half, even if you cut that production in half, he's still getting 10, 11 targets a game. Yeah, yeah. He has twenty-five receptions, and. It looks like 260, probably butchering this, 266 yards receiving. Wow. That's insane. Yeah. And so that's just nobody, nobody saw that coming. However, I will note he does not have any touchdowns. Okay. Okay. So, overall, for fantasy, like, week one was 10 for 119, which is great. Still only had 13 and a half in our league. And then this past week, when he had 15 for 147, he had 18.25. So, interesting to see there. I did pick Uh, up another Ram, though, yesterday. Uh, Kyron Williams has just blown the last two weeks out of the water too um i think they're saying you know cam Akers, who has been the guy the last couple years or whatever um is kind of on the i know you're uh, you know you follow the rams now they're saying he's um kind of on the trade trade block right like they're kind of trying to get rid of cam Akers, and they um yeah he was a healthy scratch in the game i think they said you know so yep what's uh, what's going on there so the Rams are in trade talks. They're just trying to add more value because at the end of the day, like Cam, he had that his, I want to say it was his rookie season. He was, he had like every other rookie running back. It seems like they just go nuts that first year because they're, there's no film on them. There's nothing to go off of. So no teams really know how to defend them. And he was in that situation, and he was going nuts. He had an insane what helped him out, and I think the reason why he's not playing. So he requested a trade before the season started. He finished out the last four games last year with over 100 yards rushing with multiple touchdowns in every game. And I think he is just trying to get out of there, and the Rams – didn't play him because they are trying to get as much as they can for him. That's what I'm guessing. So that's why he didn't play. Um, And like I say, everybody knows that nowadays it's running back by committee. So it's uh, interesting to see what they're going to do there. I'm definitely watching out for that. Of course, I have Cam Akers on my team Uh, (laughs) in true fantasy luck i also had dobbins on my team who you know is out for the year as well so i'm just really striking gold in fantasy <laughs> uh i am actually 500 in all of my leagues so i'm not owned to in anything i don't think let me check on our league really quick yeah so i'll be i've uh if i can get 11 more points I can beat Kate and go 2-0 in our league this week, but it's not looking like it's going to happen because Amari Cooper was not supposed to play. 
So I picked up Moore, who would be getting more of his uh, targets and stuff. And then I guess last second, they decided to play him. And I didn't realize that. And I didn't switch it in time. So I'm not going to get those points there. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much all I have for fantasy. I did see that the – I don't know how to say his name. The Atlanta running back, Alligator. Alligator. Um, Algier, yeah. Yeah, alligator. Alligator. (laughs) Um, He did not get nearly as many yards per carry. Same number of attempts. Um, And then – Bijan's going to take over. Yeah. Yeah, he – so that – that's like a quick boom and bust uh, type of player. And that's fantasy for you, you know. You can pick a guy up who has an amazing week, and then the next two, three weeks he's trash. And that's what we just love and dealing with when we're trying to be a fantasy GM. You got to be a little bit crazy to love fantasy football. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I think for this week, though, that's that's all I have. I don't know if you've got anything else that you want to add in. No, I'm good. I think we uh, I think we more than covered it. <laughs> yeah, I like to think that we didn't take that long, but here we are sitting at you know 90 minutes. 90 minutes. <laughs> yeah, boy. So. Uh, again, I appreciate you coming on, doing another week, weekly episode, weekly update on college football world. Obviously, we're heavily invested in college football. That's probably yep, 70% of this podcast uh, or episode or whatever, but I love it. So I'm looking forward to talking again in the following week and continuing to do this throughout the season. Uh, thank you again for coming on board and that will wrap up this episode of drew and co unplug zach you have yourself a great night yes sir buddy appreciate it can't wait to talk after this notre dame game go bucks absolutely oh see you later